Welcome to a Midsummer Night's Dream edition of the Boyd Meets World podcast. Joining me today are the Beaver Boys, the NBA bartenders, Jordan Coots and Caleb Clearman. Uh, to talk about a variety of topics across the association, we talked about the Kawhi trade, of course, and had a very Switzerland answer to the who won the trade question. Jordan showed a milk toast level of optimism uh, for his Bulls. Caleb and I expressed some doubt over a couple teams out west, became Bucks fans on air, and picked our favorite NBA draft choice, trade, and signings of the offseason. Enjoy. Well, I've talked to you both recently about the NBA. One of you, Jordan and I had a, a nice four-hour car ride to, to preemptively prepare for Vegas and then Vegas itself. Um, I think the, the biggest sports argument we got into was ranking it somehow at like 1.30 in the morning in our hotel room in Vegas, ranking the top five oh receivers God. of all time. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been that passionate about anything in my life. Uh, no, that was wild. <laughs> that, was, that was before we went out. At yeah, one a.m. Just got off the rails. I don't know how that happened. Um, <laughs> Caleb and I had a nice fireside chat. I think that was the day after LeBron signed with with LA. If I if yeah. I'm not mistaken, back when back when I was home, um, Kawhi just got traded. I think that's mm-hmm. the most eventful thing that happened, despite the best player in the world changing teams. Am, am I am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. Yeah, it, the the magnitude of the league shifted much more off the off the Kawhi trade, and we had a, a, a pretty spirited group text that, that inspired this us getting back in the horn here. Uh, where do you guys fall on who won this? Because of course, in this in this world, someone has to win this trade. It can't just be mutually beneficial. So, wh- who did better by making this trade happen? I think the Spurs definitely won this trade. Definitely one. Yeah. I mean, they got rid of a guy that, I mean, by all accounts, we knew he was not re-signing there, and sounds like he was kind of just creating this cancer within the team, and they got back a top 15 guy who's going to, like, come in, and, I mean, he, DeMar is no Kawhi, but, if, I mean, he's 85, 90% of what Kawhi did two years ago, like that team's still going to be pretty solid. It's a big ask. Yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah. I don't I don't know if if DeRozan has I mean, sniffed definitely, top definitely five players. Offensive part, but I mean, no one in the league matches what a healthy Kawhi can do defensively. Very true. Right. Very true. Jordan, what do you yeah. think? Um, you kind of stole it from me, just saying that you you have to peg a winner and a loser on this because uh, I kind of get it for both teams and I honestly kind of like it for both teams um, I think there's a, there's obviously a ton of ifs um, but like from the Spurs per- perspective they're getting a player who immediately you can plug and play and fits their culture um, so that elevates them um, and then the other thing is like I totally get it if you can't mend relationships with him and you don't think he's going to be a spur going forward then you have to take the best bet and so if i'm judging the spurs off of how they did compared to what else was offered i think getting potal and then obviously the bigger piece in DeRozan is pretty good so i i like it for the spurs um and i think we're kind of downplaying how big of a piece that honestly potal could be 
we don't really know what he is yet, but I think it's pretty like, similar like to the second. I, I like Poto a lot. Yeah. I think it's similar. Poto kicked like everyone's the... ass in the Pac-12 his season that he was there. <laughs> everyone's ass. Right. Uh, I think it's pretty similar to that Oladipo-Paul George trade where, like, Sabonis is no longer just a throw-in guy. And I think it could be a similar situation with Poto there. Yeah, it's it's very true. And I also think, alternatively, that Danny Green is going to help the Raptors um, as kind of right. that throw-in true. piece, too. Definitely. But. Jordan, you brought it up, or one of you brought it up, that this was truly an unten- untenable situation with with uh, with where it was with Kawhi. We know that because the Aldridge thing was was just as bad, and they turned it around completely to the point where Aldridge is back to being an All NBA player after looking like he was going to hold out and not play there. Um, yeah. So you know that they had in their arsenal the ability to turn this around. It's not like the Kings where they would not have the ability to to <laughs> fix something like this and salvage it. You, right. they, they exhausted that resource and it was truly untenable to, to make that happen so exactly. get it, getting eight basketballs and a clipboard would have been a nice nice coup given given what that situation had, had melted down to right yeah no totally agree and then obviously from Toronto's perspective like you get Kawhi and I think he's the best two way player in the game right now we'll, we'll get to what Toronto got out of this but in my nuts to think that the Spurs making Tony Parker work, albeit in a different era. I mean, Parker's game is anything but efficient, and making making it work and making that kind of a, a focal point of the offense gives you a lot of hope that they can kind of work around Demar's uh, inefficiencies and, and kind of you know outdated shot selection to to turn him into something important. And also, also what they've done with Aldridge. Right. No, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think you're on the money there for sure. Um, one thing I would be kind of concerned, well, maybe not concerned about, but something that would be interesting is like, you now have two players who are absolutely reliant on the mid range game in Aldridge and DeRozan. And unlike with, uh, Tony Parker, when he was there, they're both the focal points of your offense. So that would be one worry of mine, I guess. You throw, you throw DeRozan, Aldridge, Powell, Rudy Gay, and it's too bad they don't have Parker because that would have been like the, the all mid-range team. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing that's not getting looked at enough from the Spurs side is I mean I don't I don't know anything but I can <laughs> imagine that Pop is probably not going to be there a whole lot longer especially with the stuff that he just went through, you know, with his family this last season. Yeah. Well, from there from their perspective, this is hey, maybe we're gonna go for it for two or three years and you know see pop out in the playoffs. I, I can't imagine he wants to be there when when and if they start a rebuild. No, I, I, I don't I don't see that either. I mean, there's he's not gonna sit through a, a 55 loss season to to see something pop up and, and maybe turn around in his time. Um, there's there's kind of one linchpin and one kind of way out for the Spurs, I think, to get to championship contender level and it exists on their team does anyone want to guess uh besides brandon paul or <laughs> david davis Bertans actually was, was <laughs> i can't believe the deal they signed him but yeah no if they're looking for him to take that next step up that would be that would actually I, be insane but uh, I, I was being where facetious. Were you going with it that, was, brandon? it's 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 dejounte murray yes yes for sure 
I think Lonnie Walker's going to be good too. That's that's another one. They they need yeah. they need both of those guys to to pop like quickly uh, yeah. to to have a shot because I mean defensively, those two guys could be just killers on the wing, akin akin to what to what Boston is building up up on the you know the opposite side of the coast. But um, I think that that is their upside piece to to maybe have something, but. In the current climate, I mean, if you talk about Popovich's window being three years, I don't, I don't know if if anyone who has a three year window is going to get anything out of that, given given the uh, the behemoth at the top. Right. Yeah, that's true. But Pop, you know, he's also so competitive that he's not going to want to just throw the towel in and sit back. Like he wants to challenge the Lakers. He wants to challenge the Warriors and be competitive. And he also yeah. signed his his drinking buddy. Uh, Marco Bellinelli is back, so the, uh, <laughs> the his quality of life, at least for these last three years, will be will be much higher. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any other Spurs thoughts other than um, we really want Dejounte Murray to, to make it happen? Are they the third best team in the West? <sighs> the West. The West is just an absolute gun show. Yeah. Like they could finish seventh they could finish third mm-hmm. i don't see them being higher than third so i'm gonna say they're not they're not there yet i would four or five yeah i'm i'm, yeah. I'm probably there until and until proven otherwise uh yes flip to uh to our friends up north the raptors they oh, scored Kawhi out of this um caleb thought that the spurs definitely won this trade and in terms of you know how we're looking at it from a whose basketball team gain more wins i think that might be true uh but i think i i I was i was ecstatic about this deal for the raptors because i think it's the perfect it's like the new it's like the 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 modern tanking it's like you're taking on a player with with massive talent to give you a shot now and then if it doesn't work then you have an easy runway into into bottoming out wow that's a different way to look at it for sure hey what I'm here for. Yeah, I kind of like it. The other thing is, like, he's still an asset. Like, absolutely. If does, they can try to flip him a couple months into the season for something. I mean, if someone gets off to a hot start and thinks that they have a chance to make a title run, like, why not go all in and see if you can get Kawhi? Let me ask you this: yeah. when when you saw that that Kawhi was traded to Toronto, what did you think the deal was? Before you looked at the terms, obviously. I mean, it, I think you have to have DeRozan because you can take on like Lowry's contract and he's aging. So I don't think the Spurs would have wanted him. Mm-hmm. So you had to have someone at least of all-star caliber. So it would have to be him. But then, in my estimation, you want younger pieces. So like, I get Potal and I like Potal a lot. But you still have Valanchunas there and, like, Norman Powell, Fred Van Fleet, uh, OG. I thought um, OG was going to be a part of it for sure. I thought for sure OG was. And to see that he wasn't, I was I was shocked. And to see that Siakam wasn't either, I was shocked. Um, yeah. Just... Well, I mean, it, it came out that it kind of fell apart a few times, and I would imagine that was because the Spurs were probably asking for those guys. But oh, for sure. at the end of the day, they... They said, "This is probably the best offer we're we're getting." Yeah, but I don't. I don't. 
I didn't think it was crazy that they didn't get any of those guys though. Like I think Potal and that future first or whatever it happens to be is is fine. Yeah, I, I just I was assuming that a guy like Siakam or Ananobi would have been a part of the deal because those guys are upside and can swing it for the Spurs a lot more than Pertle can, I would I would imagine. Pertle's a nice yeah. piece, a third big. Um, yeah. but Siakam and, and, and Ananobi have the ability to become, you know, fringe all star all stars or all stars and, and I, I, I just assumed that, that was gonna be a part of it. And so for the Raptors to not have to give take or get rid of either of those guys and now add Kawhi to that wing mix. It's I I mean we talked about a little bit of of how do they match up with Boston because I think that they easily surpass if if Kawhi's healthy I think they easily surpass Philly in terms of of the East kind of pecking order. How do they match up? I mean you you can go Lowry Kawhi Siakam and Anobi and then you know pick your five and you have an athletic Serge team that can, or exactly yeah. right and you can you can you can switch on everything. Um, I, I think that defensively it's all there. Like that's that's a team that could yeah. give make just nightmares for a team like Boston. Anyone. Yeah, and I like how they have flexibility too, even at the guard spots, like Fred Van Fleet came into his own and then hopefully Delon Wright's healthy and uh Norman Powell. Like they have guys who can rotate in and defend at those guard spots too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, I like all of it. I mean, yeah, on on paper it all it all makes sense, but none of us have brought up the fact that are we sure Kawhi's heart is going to be in this and that we're going to get 100% Kawhi Leonard or is this going to just going to be going through the motions and it's it's so funny with Kawhi is like if this were 20 years ago he would it would just, he would be so much we would consider him as like so much more normal than we do but in this era of like you know everything about everyone you know it's just absolutely nothing about Kawhi Leonard and so like yeah. it just becomes down to these like these like it sounds like you're reading like a book that was on your dad's shelf about how he like went to went to the all-star game in 2016 in toronto and didn't leave his hotel the entire time like that just sounds like a <laughs> like a story about like earl the pearl monroe um from you know like the freaking aba instead of a guy that is in 2018 and we should know everything about yeah the other thing that like all right i've heard Kawhi is a really hard worker when he's on there and that's what pop said when he left and and all this but Honestly, if you told me Kawhi's playing at 90% versus 100%, it doesn't seem like you could tell the difference. Like, he's always playing the, the same. Like, yeah. I don't know if we've ac- actually seen his, like, true 100%. I yeah, don't know. 90%, 90% Kawhi Leonard is still a very good yeah. player. I figure he if he gets on the floor, he's going to be, like, he's going to, the effort won't have changed. It's just, can he play, or will he be healthy? Yeah, and and we just have yeah. no idea how much is actually him. Like like he yeah. very easily, if it were up to him, could have been. I just want to play basketball, but there are people behind exactly. him that said, "Eh, we're gonna wait this one out from in San Antonio." Right. And now now he's in NBA Siberia and has to deal with the same <laughs> the same uh, the same types of issues. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, is is uh, is sixty wins there for Toronto if 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 Kawhi plays a whole season? I think easily. I don't know. That's a lot of wins. 57 last year. 59 last year, I thought. 50, 59, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. One more win with Kawhi, I figure that's doable. Granted, they were on a roll, but you got to figure that's doable. And no LeBron in the East. And they do have the pieces where, 
you know, night to night, they have guys that are going to come off the bench and play hard and be competitive. So I think 60. They're kind of built for that. Healthy, quiet, 90% of effort, give me 60 wins. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're all on the same page there. Um, just a giant if, but, but I think, I think yeah. um, given that it is the contract year, he just he can't really afford to, uh, to be too picky about how he's playing right. um, heading exactly. into that. Jordan, how much more time do we got you for? Yeah, uh, five or ten. We'll see if I can push it. All right, give us a quick uh, graph of how how you <laughs> your Bulls fandom has looked this summer because it has been at times invigorating and at times probably uh, catastrophic. Like if we did this over the last few seasons, I would just say like it's just been hovering, just a constant, just kind of blech. And <laughs> this last season, I at least liked some of the progress that was made like i i kind of came to terms with the jimmy butler trade and all that and it's promising to see that chris dunn is actually playing better here than he was in minnesota and like he has you know parts of his game that definitely translate um and maybe could be a point guard of the future hopefully um but this summer after i i loved wendell and i loved the draft position that they were in even though they fell a spot because I thought there were seven guys that the Bulls would have taken. And just if they avoided Trey Young, <laughs> I would have been happy with any of the seven. And Wendell at that spot, I thought would be there, and he was. And I really liked that pick. Um, and then we saw him and, in Summer League, and he parted the Red Seas and, and fixed, yeah. fixed Vegas's economy in, in one, one game, it's felt like. Everything, yeah. Um, so yeah, for, I think he's going to be really good from the start. And then I think defensively he can play either like most power forwards, unless they're like playing small ball four and centers. So just give him the harder defensive matchup between him and Markinen, And I think you're good. Um, and then do you I guess think moving on can play together? Yeah, I do. I definitely do. I think, I think that'll try it. I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch with the Bulls this year. Honestly, we'll see how much happens this season because they still have Bobby Portis and Robin Lopez there. So, like, they're going to play some minutes. Yeah, I, th- um, I think they'll, I try and protect, gonna... they'll try and protect either of those guys, playing them with Lopez um, at least right. to start games and then and then yeah. kind of work them in together to get them better defensively. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Lopez will start with Markinen. So, <laughs> Zach Levine... Has yeah. has played seventy percent of the the games that he could have played um, since he entered the league, and has been hurt for the majority of the last two seasons, um, albeit all from the same injury. So that makes sense. Thirty eight percent shooter total last season, albeit coming back from an injury. Forty three percent shooter on the career. Is he is is he destined to just be the best long two guy or best? chucker in the league or is there more from Uh, Zach Levine that we haven't seen yet I really hope so because that's the only reason that I'm like kind of okay with signing him for 20 mil a year Um, I think if he improves defensively which basically any improvement is like positive because he's near the uh, you know the the, the lowest level defensive player in the league um 
or if he improves as a playmaker. Like if, if he can be a secondary ball handler or even play point guard when you got to give your other dudes a rest, then I think like I'm okay with that. Um, the other thing I did here, which is definitely positive, is there's a clause in his contract on his knee. So if he has any injury stuff on for the knee, then the Bulls aren't financially uh, liable. Interesting. So that's big. Yeah. I have one question about Levine. Do do we think the Kings were actually smart enough to offer him that contract just to force the Bulls' hand, or were the Kings actually willing to pay him that much money? The what, Kings were willing. What, what, do you, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you knew the answer to that. The, the Kings are not thinking that far just wanted to make for a sure. team in the East, just rebuilding. I, yeah, I, I think no. that, that would be an awesome uh, activity is to assemble like the best um, restricted free agent offer sheet team of all time, like uh, Paul Millsap as a, like Paul Millsap's Blazers career, or like didn't didn't the didn't the Blazers do Hibbert too way back when? Oh, they, they probably tried, yeah, a couple of years ago. What was yeah. what was that, Caleb? They did Cantor a couple of years ago. Oh, and like, that's the one. Okay, yes, because I was thinking about who who forced whose hand like most famously, and that was it when they forced OKC's hand to to pay him all that money. Yeah. Jesus, yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was a that was an old shade <laughs> masterstroke. Um, <laughs> not the, not the same type of masterstroke as as drafting Zach Collins, who uh, basically <laughs> I wanted I wanted. Um, I wanted the ceiling from Zach Zach Collins this this uh, this Vegas summer league, and I think I think I got about shin high. It was it was not uh, it was not impressive. Although the black yeah. the black mask works well for him. You're out on Zach. <sighs> I don't know. I it's just it needs to happen now is the problem. Like the the Blazers are at coming towards an impasse, and if you don't see it from Zach now. Uh, that impasse is going to come faster than than uh, than if, yeah. if if we're still holding out for him heading into this time next year. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's a whole different conversation we can get into later. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a bartender's conversation uh, later in the off season. Um, before Jordan's got to get out of here, Caleb, you had some summer league questions for us, and uh, oh. I'll assemble in my legal team to to uh, decide whether I can field these or not. Yeah. I just yeah I just had like a couple of quick things for both of you guys well we're, um, we're gms now because you know all you have to do is go to summer is go to summer league and now you're you're a member of a team so yeah we actually we uh we are the co-gms of the charlotte hornets <laughs> well my first question was what was the most impressive thing you saw that could be either on the basketball court or oh off the basketball court? uh our friend charlie like winning a 15 to one digital horse on his last, last dollar in Vegas was, was, pretty I was impressive. thinking the exact same thing. Um, that was, that was a, a, a sheer miracle. Uh, yeah. I thought Wendell was the best basketball thing we saw. Aiton looked pretty amazing in that game. The, the Phoenix Sacramento game. Um, the fact that Coors lights were $8 in, in the Thomas and Mack center, that was impressive in the, the worst kind of way. Um, but, uh, yeah, probably Wendell or Aiton were the, were the two things that really stuck out basketball wise. And Aiton was, I thought he was quiet and he still had like 20 and 12. Yeah. He just, he just was doing everything he was supposed to be doing. Yeah. 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 He was, he was my second question. I was going to ask you how much bigger is he in person than on TV? 
Um, I mean, because even now that he's playing against professionals, he looks so much bigger than everyone else. I think it's the way he runs that's most impressive. Uh, it doesn't yeah. look like he's laboring. Like, you look at, like, Robin Lopez right. running, and it looks like every step <laughs> might be his last um, yeah. at that same size. But Aiton is just, like, so upright and so just it takes like eight steps and he's from basket to basket. Right. I think you see like how big and broad his shoulders are versus a guy who's almost his size in Bagley, who's just has like a slighter, narrower frame. And mm-hmm. it, he just looks so much more imposing. Yeah. He made Bagley look like Richard Lewis out there. Yeah. If, exactly. If I'm being frank. Yeah. It was, yeah. Um, he's a spectacle. Right. Who was the most famous person you saw? Like so, I mean, obviously, like the basketball players were were famous. Um, Lonzo. In terms of in terms of impact, it's Lonzo. I mean, he, Lonzo was like the star of the show when we were there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny how there was like there was a there was a pecking order amongst those that summer league Lakers team of like who could dap Lonzo and Kuzma up and who 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 wasn't there yet. So like Josh Hart, <laughs> Josh Hart's in, Mo Wagner not. Uh, Zubach, not. Um, Rob Polinka was in. Uh, we saw Jared Allen. We were probably like 10 feet away from Jared Allen. That was that was cool. Oh, Charles Oakley, maybe, right? Maybe, yeah. The verdict's still out on that one in more ways than one. But <laughs> um, the, li- the literal yeah. verdict is still out. Yes. We, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we saw a guy who looked a lot like Charles Oakley, did a quick Google image, wasn't quite sure, didn't get a second look. Uh, but given that Charles Oakley had a run in with, he had some some uh, some sticky fingers on the table in Vegas, like probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably twelve hours after we saw him, um, yeah. I'm willing to run with the fact that we saw Charles Oakley. Yep, we thought we saw Bill Simmons at like four thirty. Oh yeah, we definitely saw Bill Simmons. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and uh, Network Conception was with him. So yeah, that was cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Are we uh are we pretty much having? Summer League all at the same place? Because I think it's a great move. I liked it there. I'd, I'd have Ve- or I've had Vegas as the uh, location every time, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's uh... Instead of having, like, the two or three different leagues? Maybe another one in New I'm... Orleans for the same reason you have one in Vegas. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm good with it. It's It, it, was, it, was, it was like a giant convention the whole time i will say we'd have to go one time uh when it there's no world cup although it was very awesome to have the world cup there it yeah. was like another thing in the way of of summer league um but being trapped in the thomas and Mack center when you're trying to get cheap booze is not a great place to be <laughs> <laughs> That's they, don't sure make, they don't make it easy there yep. yeah. all right boys that's it for you well, yeah i gotta get going but uh Wrap it up for me. All right. Well, don't get fired. Um, yeah. We, we no. appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll be in touch. Definitely. Hey, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Later, guys. All right, Caleb. Uh, we um, – I want to talk about the Lakers because I feel like it's it's only right. Um, they, 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 have, they now matter a lot, and their, their team is absolutely bonkers with the addition of Michael Beasley to really, really – really top it off um my question to you is what what like other bonkers players should they should they add to make this thing truly off the handle i'm thinking like andre blatch like that's that's the guy they should target yeah it's it's kind of like they're putting together 
like all of the guys that you wouldn't want to have on your team, if if they can like somehow figure out how to get Dwight Howard and like <laughs> JaVale McGee there. They have JaVale. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They have him already. You need to get like Dwight Howard and somehow trade for J.R. Smith or there's like some weird clause in LeBron's contract that J.R. gets to follow him wherever he goes. It's like a total team of Misfits. in the last five years guys that like you don't want to have on your team and now they're all on the same team. And and it's I mean that's fine like the Grizzlies could have done that. Like they could have brought all these guys in as like one year is like, you know, we have a good infrastructure, we're tough, we'll we'll grind it out. But I just don't understand how the Lakers or and cuz there's just no way that any decision doesn't go through LeBron. And so for him to it's for him to greenlight Lance Stevenson, Beasley, all these guys that are basically just just I don't know. They're they're not scrubs. These are talented guys, but the fit is just so weird. And given that everything that we know about LeBron and how tight he keeps his circle, uh, it's just weird that he's so willing to bring in these these guys with track records. Yeah. The the other thing that is weird to me is that Magic has said, like you you can't try to beat the Warriors at their own game. But the closest anyone has come to beating the Warriors was the Rockets this year and they play they've like taken what the Warriors are doing to the next level instead of going the other way mm-hmm. so I really understand that strategy either right I mean no, nothing about what they've done screams screams like modern basketball um of you know you, you didn't you didn't bring in a bunch of guys who are these three and d switchy guys you know so it, it, it is strange uh but the one year element for a lot of this I think I think was kind of all uh, all engineered in a way. The more I think about it, it's kind of like this year was a wash um, and was just kind of a ramping up. And so, like, let's just create intrigue in L.A. for a, for a season and then and then worry about the actual basketball part of it next year. Uh, that being said, I mean, I think if you bring in guys like doesn't having Michael Beasley want to take 10 shots a game hurt your development of Kyle Kuzman and Ingram? Like, it just, it doesn't, I don't know. It's it's very hard to rationalize. Yeah, I I'm with you there. Like I, if you're gonna punt on this season, like play the kids and let those guys get the reps because you're gonna need those guys next year if you do get someone like Kawhi to go there. Yeah, right. And you want to showcase those guys as like you know, not, those guys aren't gonna look any better Kuzma and Ingram. I'm talking about than when they're playing with LeBron. And so if you play them now. And all of a sudden, they look like 125 percent of what you probably evaluate them as. Then you know they're they're great trade pieces, and I just don't think you're going to see that when you know Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley are taking their minutes. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be LeBron's team if if it wasn't interesting of trying to figure out how it's all going to work until all the way through the finals, trying to figure out that, that exact same question. Um, what is your favorite basketball Lakers lineup that they can act like? Like if they want to win a game, the lineup that they can throw out there that that is most intriguing to you. Um, I think it's Hart, Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, and LeBron. LeBron of the five. Like, yeah, that's. I don't know. Just go like your own version of the death lineup and and throw everyone out there and see how it works. That's what I would do. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be hard to 
keep Rondo off the court in terms of just his his savvy, and I feel like he might get to that level of like giving a shit. Um, and so, imagining an air like a, a a crunch time lineup without Rondo is gonna be weird. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's brought in there specifically to mentor Lonzo, and he knew that, and and everyone's on the same page about that. So um, I was just saying that I, it it feels like he would be a perfect guy for for Lonzo to work from or learn from, but I, I don't know if Rondo is that kind of guy that's going to be like willing to teach a guy that's going to potentially take minutes from him. I don't know. That seems like it would be a weird dynamic. Exactly. I mean, it's not like you brought in, you know, Andre Miller or something like this, who's just this guy who's happy to be there and is happy to, to you know, cast on his wisdom to the next guy. Uh, it's, it's a guy that has, you know, uh, although uh, now that I think about it, Rondo, remember the whole thing with, in Chicago of like he was pissed at Wade or Jimmy Butler for calling out the young guys or something like that, and he was like back back in my day with the Celtics, you know, we stuck around for everybody, and so who knows? Rondo's another guy that's it's incredibly mercurial, and we <laughs> we only know that he likes Mer- or Connect Four, and that's about it. <laughs> um, so so trying to psychoanalyze him is is uh, potentially fruitless. So. We shall see. Um, that's the war, or that's the Lakers. We've talked about the Spurs getting better. We know the Lakers are going to be in the mix, um, and obviously, we know that the Warriors are going to be right back where we saw them at the end of last season. How about the Rockets? Because I, I have uh, I have some worries about the Rockets, and I have some worries that that Chris Paul injury in game the end of game five was uh, was uh, not just the end of that season, but maybe their end of an entire shot to win a title. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. It it felt like last year kind of had to be their year, especially with what's happened with some of the guys that were free agents this year with Ariza and Umbamute. Um, it seems like they got worse, which if you're going to pay <laughs> Paul and Harden all that money, like I would have tried to keep those guys and make one more run at it. But I don't know. I'm sure Daryl's got something up his sleeve. I think he does, um, but I think he's kind of working in this, like, this is the best we can do, but what the best we can do isn't good enough. Um, they still haven't signed Capella. I mean, I yeah. think that's fait accompli that that'll get done, but it's not it's not a good thing to have looming over the season that that hasn't been taken care of um, already to this point. And so, you know, you lose Mba Mute, who I think, if he was healthy, could have swung that series. Ariza, yeah. for all his faults, you look at Ariza's shooting percentages and you're like, my God, that guy sucks. But uh, they, they just don't, their whole thing doesn't work without guys like Ariza and, and Ibam Mute who can act as, you know, defenders one through five at any given time. Uh, and, you know, the guy, uh, you know, James Ennis doesn't, it's kind of a square peg round hole. It's like that guy, the, the theory of James Ennis as a small forward could could be nice, but you're asking him to do both of those jobs. Like, and then Mello is going to do the other one. I just don't. I don't see like you had the formula last year. And if yeah, you... I don't. I don't understand the Mello thing at all. I don't either. I think Daryl. I thought Daryl was smarter than that. Just to like look at the numbers and what Mello did last year. I don't. I don't think he fits that team at all. Especially with the way they play defense and, and switch everything. Like Mello doesn't play defense at all. The. Exactly. I mean, to have him on the floor 
it has to be in this kind of six man kick everyone's second unit there's every second unit's ass role but he didn't want any part of that last season and so to think that that's going to change now uh I'm, I'm a little skeptical of and and at some point i mean you you bring him in expecting him to at least contribute in crunch time situations and i don't know if we have evidence that 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 can work uh with Melo these days yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Uh, I think. I I mean I will say he did have a, a few solid years in New York when D'Antoni was there, so maybe that, you know, can spark something. But he also got D'Antoni fired. Yeah, just the way that <laughs> plays, it it doesn't seem like he he's the answer. Yeah, and and I think you know Simmons has talked about this, but just if it doesn't work don't play him. And I think that's what the Thunder got, got into last year is that they had yeah. to give him this role. Um, and it was, it wasn't, you know, this, this completely cancerous thing, but it just wasn't working from a basketball perspective. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Rockets are only paying him $3 million. So, uh, you know, the, their obligation to, to make it work is, is much lower than, than Oklahoma City's was last year at 27. So, uh, we'll see, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not. I'm not convinced that the Rockets are in a great place to, to win the win the West again. I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, Harden, Harden, Paul, Capella. If you run it back, that team wins fifty. You know, just by waking up and getting out of bed. I just don't see the upside of of that Warriors busting lineup that they had set ready to go last year. They don't have it anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's it definitely feels like they got worse. So here are the teams in the West that didn't make the playoffs last year. It was the the Lakers, which I think you know you and I would would bet safely that that they'll, they'll be back, they'll be in. Uh, the Clippers, yeah. the Nuggets, the Mavs, the Suns, and the Kings, um, and the Grizzlies. How many of those teams are out? Like it's it's just not going to happen this year. Um. Well, the Grizzlies and Kings for sure. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> I I agree with you because I think I think we've seen about as good as it gets from from Marcus All. Yeah, um, the Suns I still think are maybe a year away, and and that's probably okay. Just get another pick, and I mean the West is so loaded that I don't think. I don't. I don't think they can win enough games this year. Um, no. I really like what they're what they're building though. Um, I think Denver is probably in this year. Who's um, out? Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> if if the Lakers are already taking one spot, uh, you know who who who's coming out from from that group if if you're putting Denver in because I agree with you Denver from a talent perspective there's no excuses for them to not be in a playoff season or situation this year um I could I could see the Pelicans um I just think losing Rondo and and Boogie I just don't know if they're gonna have enough Mm -hmm. um I I don't don't it gets tough man it's gonna be a a battle all year. It's gonna be fun to watch. Are we worried about Portland? I'm pretty worried about Portland. I would absolutely. I, I think if we hit the All Star break and they're in the six, seven, eight, nine area, that a trade could be made. If you, I mean, if you think about, you know, like 
point differential is just a thing. Like it's, I mean, it, it, it matters in, in the sense of over a long season, it gives you this kind of, you know, who, who was, who was winning games by a lot against basically the same competition. Uh, the Blazers outperformed their, their win total or their win differential by a lot. Um, you know, the Thunder were better by that metric. The Jazz were better. The Spurs are better. Um, so that puts them still in the playoffs, but they're definitely not the, the true three seed that they, that they were on paper last year. So if you treat them as more like they were actually the six or the seven seed last year in the playoffs in terms of, you know, how they should have finished, I think that they're definitely on, in danger of not making it. Um, same goes with the Pelicans, same goes with the Wolves. So I think that those three teams, uh, the Pelicans, Blazers, and Wolves, are the kind of the the uh, the fringe teams that, you know, one of those seats of those three teams, I would imagine, is going to the Lakers, and then two are, are up for grabs. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a, a 10 or 11 team race in the in the West. Um, yeah, I, I, I had in my notes of, like, I would rather try and solve a, a 16 by 16 Rubik's Cube than try and figure out which yeah. teams are, are falling where in the West. Yeah, I also really like what Dallas is doing. Yeah. I don't think they're going to have enough this year. Um, I mean, Doncic is kind of the big piece there, but I think they're building a, a solid team too. Yeah, I mean, with the the one-year deal that DeAndre feels a little weird um, for how quickly they did that and how quickly they give a guy, you know, $24 million to, um, you know, be a – 38 win center um that being said i think that that you know that that's kind of the formula that they've had for a while with carlisle carlisle likes that type of center that you know just controls the entirety of the offensive defensive glass um you know you have a guy in now in Doncic who that that just increases your profile when you have a guy like that that can you know takes you from a, a limited ceiling to you know it, the potential is there so yeah, we'll see. I don't think they're a playoff team this year. I still don't think the Clippers have enough um, true weapons to get there. Um, so I think the Lakers and Nuggets are, are poised to, to to steal a couple seats from the teams that were that were in there last year. Um, and, and I mean, the thing is, the the Suns, Mavs, Clippers, like, yeah, they're probably not going to make make the playoffs, but you're not going to want to go to those places and play games at the end of the year when you're trying to get wins to, to mm -hmm. make it in. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be tough no matter who you're playing in the Western conference this year. Yeah. I think it'll be kind of by the end of the season, you'll, you'll know who the contenders are and, and there'll be teams that kind of, you know, trot out a, a true team for 60 games. And then at that point kind of realize what their, what their fate is and, and then turn inwards from there. So, I mean, if you, if you're the Mavs and you wanted to go a certain way and, you know, you, you like what it's what the pieces are, but the wins just aren't there. Then you kind of you know maybe shut shut some stuff down. Um, you know, give Dirk his swan song twenty minutes a night and and kind of go from there. So um, yeah, we'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be super dynamic for at least at least for those ten or eleven teams that we know are gonna be competitive. Um, but yeah, those other teams are all kind of on the up. Uh, save the Kings, save the Kings. Who I don't know if they're on the up, but um, that's that's kind of. It's like saying the water's wet at this point. Is saying that the Kings are are stuck on a, a treadmill of of, uh, of doo doo. I think <laughs> for uh, for the rest of time. I think that's just one of the things that that we are given as sports fans is uh, the Kings sucking. But anyways, flipping over to the Eastern Conference, I think it's less interesting from a one through eight perspective. But there's uh, a team out there 
that was probably not stoked about the Kawhi news, and I think that was the Bucks. Um, I think that they were poised to say, okay, now this is our chance to make a swing at the three seed. Um, I think that the, the they would kind of be on the same level as the Raptors, but you have a whole season of Bledsoe, you have a whole season of 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 that team with Buttonholzer. You're like, this is this is it. Uh, then Kawhi goes to the East, and now your path to an Eastern Conference Finals is is uh, is even more wrought with with potential potential foes. So, um, what do you think about the Bucks? Are they is it is it bleak because you look down the the, the cap and Brogdon, Bledsoe, and Middleton could all be out after next year, and then what do you have? You just have Giannis, and you've basically done him a disservice uh, through five years of his career not getting into into the top half of the East. Yeah, it's it's very similar to what what the Pelicans kind of went through with Davis was, I mean, you have to pay Giannis, you have to keep him there, or else, you know, half your fan base is is basically uninterested. Um, I do like bringing in Bud for the head coach. I think he kind of got the short end of the stick in Atlanta. Um, he was really good there for a couple years, and then their entire team disappeared on him um yeah but it's it's it's, i mean the big thing is what what is the next step for Giannis? can he be the guy that everyone thinks he's going to be and be an mvp candidate um could potentially win the thing um but yeah it it's just weird that the pieces it still seems like they don't really fit all that well together um i think losing jabari is is interesting. I know he he didn't play a whole lot last year, but definitely another dynamic score to bring off the bench. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, with with Kawhi, it's the top of the East is is good. Um, I think they could probably slip into the four or five and and have a shot. But then, I mean, you you're looking at Boston in the second round. It's it's a weird situation for them, definitely. Yeah, they're they're in this this. It's such a crucial season to 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 prove to to Giannis that that you that you're legit that that your your infrastructure is good. You hired the right coach. That these things are in place that you could kind of um, coax him into signing a long term deal there. Um, given that he's he's has three more seasons left on his deal, and then you know you, you don't you don't get a player like Giannis to come to Milwaukee um, ever. So you have to nail this. I think. I think if you look at the chest with the Bucks and you say, okay, Brogdon's a, a, a plus player, um, you know, you get a whole season of Bledsoe. I think that that Bud probably actualizes him a little bit better than than um, than Joe Pronti did, um, yeah. sub- substitute teacher Joe Pronti, and Chris Middleton in the playoffs against Boston. I mean, that guy was. He, I got to pull up his his series numbers, but he was. He was lights out in that series, and you see with the kind of offensive explosion that he was able to provide um, as the second guy. It could be there if you just look at those four guys. I mean, that's that's a good base. But then you look deeper in the trunk. You got obviously they drafted Divincenzo. You have Thon McCurr, who is just always going to be tantalizing no matter what. Um, Sterling Brown showed promise. DJ Wilson's a first round pick from two years ago. What do you really have? with those four guys, I think is going to, to really, uh, really swing it for, for Milwaukee is you need, you need two or three of those guys to, to really pop and show that you have something. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you're right about Middleton. He can probably be your second best player on a Eastern Conference Finals team. I mean, I don't, I don't think the Bucks' expectations are to win the East by any means, but they're, yeah, it's it's a weird spot of they can't be bad because they have to convince Giannis that something is is happening, but it's also I don't know what the ceiling is, so. I I I'm big on Brogdon. I think he's he's very good. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how him and Bledsoe kind of uh, mesh together this year. It seemed like when those two were on the court at the same time, it was a lot of those two looking at each other, like who's who's the point. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be thing this year for sure. Because, I mean, Brogdon was was awesome his rookie year, um, and then I I would say he kind of re- regressed a little bit this year but I think that was just because of s- the system and bringing in Bledsoe but you know having a whole offseason and having a new coach that is going to preach ball movement and stuff I, I think those two could work together mm-hmm. yeah Mid- Middleton is heading into his age 27 season in the seven games against Boston last year in the playoffs I mean think about what they have um, you know guys like Tatum and Brown defending you average 25 on on 598 from the field, 610 from three at, on six attempts a game over seven games, um, which is which is nothing to scoff at. So you saw what Middleton is capable of, obviously, like very small sample size, uh, but in a big moment he was there and, and performed at a, at a level that was exactly what you would want from a, from a number two guy. So I think it's there, um, but I just wonder if, if, if that's going to be enough. So I have a hypothetical trade for you. Uh, how about it? For Chris Middleton, John Henson, and Malcolm Brogdon, for CJ McCollum. Mm. I feel like that's a lot to give up for McCollum. It is. I think if you treat Henson as a salary dump, that's ten million. That's now off your books. So now it's like you're you're dumping salary and getting McCollum back for Middleton and Brogdon. Yeah, that that seems like a lot to give up for for McCollum. I don't I don't think that makes the Bucks better. It I think I think you're right, and I think as long as you have Bledsoe there, it's going to be hard. It's going to be you know if you the same questions you have about McCollum um, about how he works in a two guard system would still be there, given that you have Bledsoe on that team. Yeah, and and I think. Lillard is more like like Portland knows what Lillard is, whereas I, I don't think Bledsoe has knows what his role is going to be with Milwaukee. Um, I don't I, I don't know. I just I think Middleton allows them to do stuff defensively that McCollum can't. Obviously, sure. um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think Portland definitely answers that call. Yeah, I th- I think that there's something something there. I think that I we could probably fill up a podcast with with CJ McCollum trade possibilities because it uh it will always be fascinating. And I think I'm always on the team that that uh, it's it's not for any fault of his own, but it's just going to have to happen at some point for the Blazers to to get to the level that that uh, we all would want them to go. Um, yeah, the, we'll we'll have to maybe loop our friend Jared in for that one. Um, <laughs> Uh, any uh, 
Any other thoughts on on I had I was kind of comparing the Bucks to the Pelicans in terms of the situation. Both have transcendent players. You kind of mentioned it of like the 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 Pelicans are basically just one year ahead of of where where Milwaukee was, given that they they kind of went all in to to um, to upgrade that team and get it in a position that they have it now, where you're coming off a playoff season and and all that. But I guess which which fan base would you rather be? Uh, Two years left with Anthony Davis on the Pelicans on a team that that you know won a playoff series, or uh, three years left with Giannis on the Bucks on a team that that just lost the playoff series. I think I'd rather be a Bucks fan just because you're in the Eastern Conference. The window is there, or the opportunity is there. Yeah, I, I mean it's a murderer's row in the West. Even if I don't, I don't know if this is even possible for the Pelicans this year. But even if they do get let's say a five seed, like you're looking at the Warriors in the next round. Right. Right. And you have to beat, you know, what if you play the Lakers in the first round? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not, it's not, uh, it's not pretty. And I think that anyone who's operating as we've been talking about this whole time of anyone who's operating, you know, whether it's the Spurs or, or these teams within a three year picture, you're kind of screwed um, if, if your goal is to win a championship. So um, I think that the teams that are doing well now and then also are setting themselves up to, you know, exist in a good place after the next two or three years, the, those are the teams that are, that are going to be the teams that we're talking about when, uh, when you and I are, are 30 instead of when we're, when we're 25. Yeah, I think, I think we're starting to see more and more of that around the league that teams are realizing that the window is is pretty much closed for the next two years three years so it's just about positioning yourself further down the road and it's it's very interesting for for some teams that kind of went all in a couple seasons ago when the when the cap jumped now they're kind of sitting here like well what is our next move we have all of these big contracts on the books we we can't really trade them because no one has room it's it's an interesting dynamic around the league right now that's why the brooklyn nets are the uh are the best because they 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 exist solely to feast off of the mistakes that were that were done that summer so um yeah loved the love the kenneth free trade loved getting off a land all that stuff that the that the that the Nets have done this offseason, but I've made I've made my Nets love very clear on this this same airwave before, so um, nothing new there. We'll wrap up here. What is uh, you got one trade, one pick, one signing from this offseason that that you really liked, whether it's from an entertainment perspective or just like a that was that was a really smart thing that they did. Um, what, were, what were the three things that that stood out to you this this summer? Pick, trade, and a signing. Um, my my pick and trader is. Is kind of the same thing. I I think that the Trey Young Doncic thing is going to be super interesting. I think those two are kind of going to be linked. Oh, for sure. Together for their whole years or their whole careers, and it's it's going to be super interesting to watch how that plays out. I think right now everyone's kind of feeling like Dallas is in the driver's seat with that trade so far, but who knows? Trey Trey Young could turn into something. Um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I yeah. Al- go ahead. I also think it's interesting that it seems like they've gone all the way in on him with trading your your guy Dennis. Yeah. Well, 
it, it was time. I think I think that the, there was just nothing nothing there with with Schroeder and uh, and Trey Young existing in the same place was just not going to happen. I mean, like if you get Trey Young, you can't have any impediment to his development in your way, and that's what Dennis Schroeder absolutely would have been. Um, is is something in the way, whether it's from a culture perspective, it sounds like he's not, not the the best dude you want about around a young um, around a young player. Uh, but then also just the sheer minutes that he would take take out of the way. Uh, that uh, that trade though, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because I kind of that that one kind of got lost in the shuffle of, of Dennis Schroeder going going to to the Thunder. I weirdly like that trade for the Thunder just because it yeah, evokes. I, I it, like it too. I it, like it too. It evokes this kind of, I mean, I think that the Thunder were the most deadly when they had, obviously when they had Harden coming off the bench, but then when they did the same thing with Reggie Jackson of just like, you kind of have a guy to, to continue to run the show at the same pace and same ferocity that, that Westbrook does. Um, and so basically your your team is all the same, and it's almost akin to what Houston did of, of you have these two guys that play very similarly, love the ball, um, and are surrounded by guys who are fine with playing that way so that you don't really skip a beat if Westbrook comes off the floor for the, you know, 10 minutes a night that you have. But then also you just upgrade your talent profile. Yeah, and and I mean, I mean the, the big thing was getting rid of Carmelo, but it, sure. yeah, it's, it, it'll, be, it'll be fun. I don't know if those two are going to play together a lot, but... That is another interesting dynamic that that the Thunder can do. Yeah, I mean, they they at one point, I mean, you look at the the players that they can throw out there. I mean, their their profile really went up in terms of of kind of the the uh, the different range of outcomes that could happen for them. I mean, you have you have Westbrook uh, at, at any given time. You could throw Westbrook, Schroeder, uh, Paul George, you know. Uh, Roberson, yeah, Roberson, Stephen Adams, uh, you know, Nerlens Noel is in the fold. I mean, they're, they're just like arsenal of these guys. Jeremy Grant's. I mean, these arsenal of these long, you know, athletic defenders um, and guys who are totally okay with not having the ball in their hands. In addition to Westbrook, I mean, it's. It, I hate to say it, but the the Nick the Nick Collison moratorium is over. I can now treat the Thunder as a normal basketball team, and uh, it looks good. Yeah. It. It seemed like once Carmelo opted in and and Paul George decided to go back, it was like, whoa, I don't know how that's going to work. And it was a lot of money. But just with that one trade, it seems like they've kind of changed the whole dynamic of what they're able to do with that roster. Yeah, and, and when you have this situation where you have Paul George opting into playing there rather than, like, who knows how he initially felt about playing in Oklahoma City after that trade – uh, when you have him signing on to be a part of the Westbrook experience and, and knowing that, I think that that's a much different headspace than uh, than just being cast into it like he was last year. So um, having guys that are totally okay playing with that, <laughs> you kind of need it because the, ro- the wrong type of guy um, would put up a stick about it, and I think that's what we saw with, with Carmelo last year. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different form of basketball, and, and there was always kind of this weird buzz around that team last year that was like, oh, this is just a, a Paul George rental and he's he's leaving. But to see that he actually wants to be there, I think 
I think it just shows the relationship that him and and Russ have, and that's something that they can definitely build around. For sure, for sure. Um, all right, the last piece there would be: what was your favorite uh, free agency signing uh, that you that you saw this summer? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like this is kind of an easy answer, but Boogie to the Warriors is is fascinating. It it's it was fun to see the reaction of people on Twitter and in the basketball world that it was it was like it broke people's brains that they could have five guys all on the same team, and it's going to be really interesting to see what he comes back like if if he's a hundred percent. I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent right away. It might be at the All Star break, but if you're getting even eighty percent. Boogie Cousins, that's way better than Zaza Pachulia and JaVale McGee. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I th- I think it's it was just the the one team the one team that didn't need him to play the whole season if they were going to sign him got him and and you know given given that injury, there's one team that could afford to to take it on and has the you know the the, the locker room pedigree to take it on, and that team happens to be the team that everyone already hates for having too much talent on that. So, I mean, I, I hope I see it because I think good basketball is better than bad basketball. So um, getting to see a team that that's, that is that talented play together um, and try and make it work is, 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 is good. I, I mean, we're already in this ecosystem where the Warriors are expected to win. So what's the difference if, if now the product that they have is, is, you know, more interesting and, and, and better. So I'm okay with it. I, I mean, it, it was, it, it sucks. Yep. From... And if it totally backfires, it's gonna exactly. be so fun to watch. Exactly, uh, it, it's it's he's kind of like our man on the inside. Like I think it's it's America's first chance to root for Boogie Cousins, but they'll be rooting for him to do all the things that uh, that uh, you wouldn't normally root for, and that's blowing a team up from the inside. <laughs> yeah, it's did, gonna be fun to watch. Did you see Dwight's uh, press conference today? I saw the quote about. A joke he made about all the teams he's he's played for. It's off to just an amazing start in in DC this <laughs> summer. Um, the with that, I mean, you bring in you bring in Dwight, who for all you know, he's making no money now because he got bought out, and um, and you know, it's it just it, it's I'm fine with it from a basketball perspective with Washington because you didn't really have it anyways, and so why not why not increase your chances to to turn this thing into something good and Gortat you saw the ceiling and and so Howard expands that a little bit uh but also increases your chance of the of John Wall you know <laughs> being the recreating the uh the death threats wizards locker room of of 2006 um in 2018 but then you had Troy Brown say that no one has called him after he got drafted that was that was just a great sign that this this Dwight thing is just going to be catastrophic. Yeah, it seems like that could explode in a way we've never seen before. Uh, and they added some 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 Croatian fire to the party with uh, signing Hazonia. It well, it was almost like to a tipping point last year where, when Wall was out, everyone was talking about how much better they were playing, and you know it was a team game. And to add Dwight Howard to that team, it, it just seems like they, they might actually fight each other on the court. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting, um, which, I mean, Washington 
the basketball was. Oh, and they got Jeff Green. So it's boy, oh boy, they are <laughs> they are set. Um, <laughs> they should. They, oh, I was gonna say they should sign Derrick Rose, but they didn't. Uh, Tib scooped that up. Yeah. So I think uh, this this basketball season, the more we're talking about it, is is gonna be. Looking for the little things because if we're if we're focusing on who's going to win the title, um, we're going to miss some stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's already kind of been determined. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's going to be the the little side stories that, that entertain us this year for sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, all right, man. Uh, any any other thoughts on on this off season? Any any juicy tidbits we left on the table? Alfred Payton cut his hair. It it seems like we've kind of hit the point where every everything is as far as like trades and players signing has has happened. So it's it's going to be a little wait until the the season starts. But I'm I'm okay with that. There's it still feels like there's a lot to digest and and lineups to go through and yeah. And I also it's, it's, I also love this rookie class. Yes. Yes, I think this rookie class is a lot of guys that are very easy to root for and um, have a range of outcomes that are that could be you know even a guy like Chandler Hutchinson or you know Aaron Aaron Holiday would it surprise you if Aaron Holiday is a starting point guard in in two years? No, right? He's very good. It's your twenty third pick. Um, so you know there's there's the the league is just uh, you know exploding with talent right now, and so to see that. Um, to see the kind of the, the stuff building in the wake or building in getting ready for the wake of, of the post warriors era, whenever that is, um, will be the fun part. So, uh, good stuff, my man. We will, uh, we will get ready for the true bartenders edition of this. So, um, start getting your, your, your drink menu ready. I'm looking forward to it already. There we go. All right. Uh, take it easy, my man. See ya. Thanks again to Jordan and Caleb for coming on the show. We'll be doing a full bartenders episode later this fall where we compare every team to a beverage. Cannot wait for that. That's a, it's an annual institution. Uh, subscribe, leave a review, wash, rinse, repeat. You know the drill by now. Peace.